my wife and I, we had an excellent time up in um, Sedona. It was very nice. And it rained almost every day, but we had a great time. Um, we went to see some sites. Uh, my wife did a, a power drive up to Bill Williams Peak. <laughs> we went all the way to the top in that truck. And uh, man, took a couple of pictures of that view from up there. But that's where they put all of the, you know, microwave stuff, satellite and all that stuff because it's the highest place up there. And so it took a while to get up there. It took a while to get down. But she did really good. Um, huh? There's a road that goes up there. We, we actually did the blue truck. We had to slow down and kind of walk rocks a little bit going up and whatever. So it worked out, uh, it worked out pretty good. So uh, we, we're still a little adventurous in, in our upper age. So uh, we still want to do things. But uh, we went through a lot of places, Ernest. We went to Cottonwood, Cornville, um, Clarkdale. We went to Tuzagut National Mo Monument. If you haven't seen that, it's kind of unusual. It's a neat place. Um, then, uh, like I said, we went to Williams just to do that, that other thing and took a day trip to Williams and then came back to Sedona. We went on a, a pink Jeep tour to uh, Diamondback Gulch. That was a rock climber, wasn't it, Ma? The guy that was that we just, you know, that suspension on that Jeep. We took our rock climb up and then back down. We had a couple of places we were going like this. And he, he said, let's test the brakes. And he hit the brakes and all of us, because <laughs> we're like this. And he just slowly walked it down until he, and then he, on rocks going back up. It was pretty neat. Explained a lot of stuff to us. I love those tours. I'm going to try to make my way through every one of them because it's neat. Um, but we had a great time. Scenery was beautiful. Everything where we looked, you know, storm would come up. I'm talking about a storm, you know, a, a water coming down where you can't see. Your windshield wiper can't keep up with the water. And, uh, man, uh, it was kind of amazing. And then it would go away, and then we'd go do something else. So it was pretty cool. But I enjoyed it uh, a lot, just her and I being away, and the place we stayed at was nice. It was just everything was just beautiful. We ate at some good places, some very good places. So that worked out good. I, I wish I could go back now, <laughs> go back up there. Yeah. But it was very neat. But so I, while we were there, though, we still checked in. I think on Wednesday we listened to Dan and so forth, and then, of course, we listened to our service here. Um, you know, we still checked in, we took the computer so we could, you know, kind of, you know, hook into everything. Very good stuff. I, I was so um, enthralled with Dan's message Wednesday. That was a powerful message. If you, if you listen to it, you need to listen to it again. Some very good things. He brought forth a lot of understanding and some things about why things are the way they are. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, 
the thing that's, that's been staying on my mind, you know, we've been talking about all kinds of things, righteousness, patience, you know, all the things that, that we need to do, you know, the forbearance and the long-suffering, all of these things. But in reality, all of these things we've been talking about are things that are in your journey that you have to go through in order to show that you love God. You know, if you love God, these things are going to be um, pertinent in your life. You will do these things. You know, you will want to do the things that, that uh, cause you to draw closer to God. Um, there was something I was looking at. I think Pastor Dan must have triggered it, but something that he said about uh, doing things with all your might. I don't know if all of you remember that. But it brought back to mind something that happened uh, in Deuteronomy. And it stuck with my mind, so I said, you know what? We better talk about something like that. Um, one of the things that's powerful, uh, remember when Moses had to go up and get the commandments from the Lord? And um, this is kind of like combining two things together. Um, if you go to the fifth chapter of Deuteronomy, I'm not going to read it. It's, it takes too long to read it. But God uh, tells the people to gather there, you know, where he's going to receive this. And... Um, <coughs> and remember before, we've, we've always studied and talked about how the people didn't want to draw near like Moses did. But there's in the fifth chapter of Deuteronomy, I want you all to read that when you get a chance. The people did actually go. They came to a part, a place. I don't know if this is the second time or whatever, but they do come to a place where God speaks the commandments to them from heaven. They hear his voice. And they're hearing his voice and so forth. And he speaks those things to him. He goes through all the commandments. And then the people start to say something very unusual. They, they, they start talking. It says, now, we, we heard the voice of the Lord giving us the commandments. And we always thought that when we heard the voice of the Lord and how he spoke and so forth, we'd die. You know, because of all the power that was manifested in it. But they finally came to the conclusion that we can hear the voice of the Lord and not die. What does that sound like? Isn't that us today? Don't we hear the voice of the Lord? We don't worry about dying. We want to receive it. And, uh, but they, they realized among themselves, hey, we can hear the voice of God and not die. But we don't want to do that too long is what they came to the conclusion. We don't want to do that too long because it's still fearful for them. It's a very interesting chapter to read, the fifth chapter. But he speaks the commandments to him from heaven and the power of his voice, you know. Uh, in the scripture, it talks about his voice being like thunder, you know. But the power of his voice speaking to them and the commandments and so forth. And it's telling them, God is telling them, I, this is what I want you to do. For you to be my people, we're going to speak this. And we're going to speak it into your ears. You're going to hear it. You're going to have an experience with me. And, and they realize that they could hear God and not die. That was a big revelation. Hey, we can listen to him and not die. But we don't want to do this too much. We don't want to do this too long. And so they turn back to Moses again and they tell him this. He said, now, we've heard the voice of the Lord and we did not die. But we still want you to receive the word from God. And then you come and tell us. That's the way we want to receive it. And you know what God says? And if you read that fifth chapter, he told Moses, said, the people have spoken well about what, when you read, this is one of the few times, I, I'd read this before, I never caught everything in it before. They said this, people have spoken well, you receive it and you give it to them, you know, about that. Then it goes into the next chapter about what was really 
sticking in my mind was uh, uh, Deuteronomy 6 and 5. And let's look at that. But the fifth chapter is really something. You get some understanding out of that. But Deuteronomy 6 and 5, very popular, very well-known verse. I'm going to read 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou, thou risest up again. So what did Dan write in that blog? What was that? It all matters to God. Everything you do, whether you're walking along the way, whether you're listening, whether you're working, whatever it is, everything matters to God. You don't think sometimes some of the things you do, you say, ah, that doesn't matter to God. It matters. Everything matters to him because he's the God of your very soul. He's trying to help you to, to get yourself to a place where your soul is going to be saved, where salvation is coming. So everything about you matters to him. Um, when you have children, doesn't everything that goes on with them matters to you? When you're raising your children, you, you want to make sure that, that nothing harms them. Everything matters. Well, where they go, what they do. Uh, I remember we used to uh, talk to people and say, oh, we're going over to my friend's house. And Claudia said, well, you have them call us or whatever, you know, so we can find out, you know, where they live, where they, something happens. We want to be able to be able to go over there and, and know the place to go and whatever, if it's okay with their parents. Because sometimes kids say, oh, yeah, their parents don't care. Everything matters, <laughs> doesn't it? Everything matters. Because then you call and you find out, well, yeah, there, there's certain things, you know, you want them. If they're going to do overnighters, if they're going to do anything, Everything matters. Well, if that matters to us here, how do you think God feels about his children? Everything matters to him. He's trying to get you back to him. He created you. You went out as a word from God, and, and you became a being. You became a spiritual being because he spoke it. And now he wants to bring you all back. So he says, now that you've been in this position, now that you have fallen, now that you've taken on flesh, now that you have a world in you, I still, everything matters to me. And I want to bring you back in wholeness. One, huh? Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy, one. And I want to bring you back with an understanding, with wisdom and so forth. You will understand everything that happened to you, why it happened, and how you got back to me, how I helped you to get back. Because without God, we're not going to get back. So we want to do everything with a whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And it says with all of your might. Now, you have to really take this. And this is not a guilt trip. Do we do everything with all of our might toward God? This is what you have to ask yourself. Is, is your world given over to God? Is your thought given over to God? Or is your very, even what you do here in this physical world, does it manifest God? Can people look at you? Remember it talks about uh, uh, glorify your father in heaven you know do the good works and so forth so that the people will glorify your father in heaven isn't that true men will see this we don't want to people to uh, how do we put it to be seen of men but we do want men to see what god has done in us in manifestation in other words you should be different what does it say about you are you peculiar people 
Oh, yeah. And, and that'll cause people. You don't have to go around touting everything. You don't have to raise a Bible in your hand and beat people over the head. You don't have to do any of that. Just live the life. And make sure that everything that matters to God matters to you. That's how it has to work. Yeah, it does matter. We know it matters to God, but does it matter to you? Everything. Does everything matter to you concerning the things of God that God's doing for you, in you, through you? Does it matter? And so we have to get to the point where we say, hey, I'm going to do this with all my might. I'm going to live for God every second. I mean, literally, you're putting yourself in a place where you say, I am not going to be <coughs> separated from God. By the Spirit, are you ever separated? No, you are not. So you can do it every second. You can be with God. Don't let your spirit be separated from God. Don't let your soul. Isn't soul a lower type of spirit? Isn't the soul the spirit that, that runs through the earth? It's an earthly thing, right? But what you want to do is to get the spirit from heaven to guide you in all things, everything. And people say, oh, that's just so hard. Are you always talking about these type of things? It's not hard because God says he'll do it. He will do it. What you have to do is be willing. What does it say uh, um, when it comes to the time to repent? Be quick to repent. Do that. You know, everything that, that, that comes against you, all of these things that try to work in your world and in your life, as they come, as you confront them, as you yield to them sometimes, as things that happen that, that you say, ah, man, I, I, I wish I'd done better in that. Don't worry about that. Just repent, and then when this thing comes to fruition, it's going to come a time where you will overcome that. And I, I like the, the analogy that Dan used. He said, man, if you had an adulterous woman that kept going over and over, cheating on you over and over and over and over again, well, isn't that written in the Word? Who is it that does that? It's Israel. Israel does it all the time. Now, who was a specific prophet who God used his wife to do that? It's Hosea, but his wife's name was Gomer. And didn't she just, I mean, she played the harlot. I mean, she'd go off with other men, do all this stuff. And even his children that he bore through her, each one of those names, you go look them up. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, one was Laura Hama. I remember that. And so, but look up the names of her children. Each one, uh, you've left God. Uh, you're, you're not faithful. You're not the children were named that because of what that spirit was. And all it was, Goma was just typifying what Israel was doing. They were pray, playing the harlot. Remember, God says, I'm married to you. Didn't he say that? I'm married to you, but you backslide like a backsliding heifer, is what he says. You keep going back. You, you don't stay faithful to me at all. He said, you, you commit whoredoms under every tree, every high hill. He says things like this to him. But yet he does not utterly forsake him. <laughs> his mercy. Oh, my God, his mercy. And the whole thing with Goma, the whole thing, we say to ourselves, there's no way that I would take a wife back like that. That's, that's done everything under the sun and in my face, basically, and done everything in the sun. And then God says, now go get her. <laughs> God says, go get her. Bring her home. <laughs> Jose says, what? Yeah. Tell me again, Lord, what do you want me to do? You heard my command. Go get her and love her and have mercy on her and bring her back home. That, that's how God was with Israel. 
gosh, that's how he was with Israel. That's amazing. But he told him, he said, go get, and think of this, the prophet had to live that manifestation to show the children of Israel. So he had to go through it. He said, Lord, why am I hooked up with somebody like this? I'm showing you what Israel is doing, and you're my prophet, and you're going to go speak these things to Israel. Well, did he? Yeah, he did. Hosea spoke those things. He literally had a manifestation he could go to and say, yeah, I've been through this, just like God has been through it. But now you could see this. It was manifested for you to see. And I took her back. I went and got her. Brought her back. This is what God is doing with you. Wow. And so this is, this is the power of the love of God. It is the power of the love of God. It's the power of mercy. Isn't that what it is? And, and it's the patience and long-suffering of God again. The forbearance. He's forbearing. I, I like something else that Dan said. He said, you know what? Sometimes we put burdens on ourselves that God didn't put on us. And we know that's true. Have you ever judged yourself? Oh, yeah, and, and you did that, didn't you? You put burdens on yourself, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. He said the forbearance is he's going to take all of that <laughs> from you because he knew that you put it on there, and then he's going to show you how to over He said, I'm going to take it from you. He's bearing it. He was bearing it all that time that you put all these burdens on yourself. And then when Jesus comes, what does Jesus say? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All he's doing is manifesting what God said he's going to do. I'm going to take all of those burdens you put on yourself and I'm going to take them away from you because it's just wasted energy and time. Condemnation, all kinds of things going on in it. I'm going to take those burdens. That's his forbearance. He knew that you were putting them on there and he forbeared until he came to the time and says, I'm going to take the burden. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sometimes we put so many burdens on ourselves in our world are there a lot of burdens in our world when we don't have our world geared toward God? Remember, he put the world in our heart. And when he put it in there, it was for a purpose. He was going to show you how you were going to defile it, sure enough. But then the whole thing is that he has a world that he wants you to enter into. And he's showing you what happens when you take care of your own world. And it's not good, huh? So we need to enter into the world of God, his world, his realm. This is what he wants you to do. So we have to do things with all of our might. Let me take you uh, to another one. I think it's Ecclesiastes 9.10. Oh, man. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. <laughs> That's powerful. In other words, do it while you can now. He said, oh, it doesn't matter here what I do here. Remember what did I just tell you? All of it matters to God. It does matter. It matters how you think, how you walk, how you talk. Even the way you go to work, even how you play sports, even how you go down the street and talk to your neighbor, everything matters to God because he should be in the forefront of everything that you do. Give glory and honor to him for your abilities to be able to do anything you do here. And then also, what are we talking about? That's the outward part. What about that inner man? Shouldn't you do everything with all of your might to allow that inner man to be in communion with God? Always. Uh, how does God put it? God is a spirit. They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. And the Father seeketh such to worship him. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for somebody spiritual 
yielding their spirit to God because you're a spiritual being, yield and letting God guide you in it. What, how did uh, uh, the elder put it? He said, we have to learn to love God. We thought, well, oh, yeah, I love God. We spoke that from our mouth. Yeah, I love God. Well, where's the manifestation? Show me the manifestation. What manifestation do you have to show that you love God? Have you dedicated your life to him? Have you put yourself out in such a way that God is uh, able to use you as a servant in any way, shape, or form that he wants to do it? Can he do that with you? Or are there times that you have to put God off? I said something just then. Sometimes you have to put God off because of what you want. That, that's really how it works, huh? You put him off. But can you yield yourself to the point where you can do everything God wants you to do and that you can promote God? How can we say this? We're trying to provoke you to do that right now. We're provoking you to give your life. There's an old song we used to sing, give your life to Jesus. You don't have much time. Just put all your trust in him. He'll make your life sublime. Remember that? that? Give it all to Jesus. Give it all to him. Put all your trust in him. Isn't that part of the, doesn't it say that in uh, Proverbs? I think it's 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. With all that, here we go again, with all your heart. Or are there parts of your heart that are divided? See, what, what did Dan preach about dividing? Are there parts of your heart divided? You give your heart to this familiar friend over here. You give your heart to a lust over here. And God has that little teeny part on this side or maybe down at the bottom. You, you catch where I'm going? Is your heart divided? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Is it divided? Are you giving parts of your heart to God or all of your heart to God? And like I'm saying again, this is not a, a judgment or a put down or a condemnation. I just want you to think. If God says, give all of it to me, then give all of it to him because you love him. Just the love is the premier thing. You love God so much that, Lord, I don't want to withhold anything from you. I want to give it all to you. That's what I want to do, right? That's the thing. So should we honestly walk toward that? And the only way you're going to do it is if you love God above everything else. God, I love you. Okay, we just spoke the words, huh? Let's see what happens now. Let's see the manifestation. God, I love you. I love you. We need to be taught to love God. So do those things. Can you trust him? Can you have faith in God? Can God take you through? Will you allow him to lead and guide you? Isn't that what, what it's all about? Can you do that? See, this is what Israel could not do. And we say, well, that we don't want to be that way like Israel. But is Israel in you? <laughs> is it, it there for an example? At times, do we mimic what it does? Sure we do. So let's not do that. Let's be the faithful follower. Let's be the apostle that follows God through the book of Acts and doesn't leave anything left on the table. We're going to take all of it with us. We're going to do all of it. We're not leaving anything behind. I didn't leave anything behind. I'm going to put everything into God. I'm going to walk like Jesus. Isn't that what the apostles did? Isn't that what amazed everybody? He, they walked like Jesus. As Jesus had done, they did. Isn't that Paul? He said, greater works than these shall you do. Didn't he say that? Who did he come for, guys? You think he came for the whole world? Do you think he came for the 12? He came for the 12. That's the way that worked. He came for the 12. And the 12, in turn, were given the job to 
turned the whole world upside down. Isn't that true? You know, like I said, Jesus in today's time, if he was here physically, they call him a failure. Well, where's your 18,000 member congregation and your 20,000, your 40,000? Where are they at? You know, because in truth, there's not going to be very many people that, that have full truth of God. You have people in these congregations, they're congregations of the dead. 18,000 members, and man's impressed. You know, well, wow, look how many members that guy has. And people, they walk up to you and they say, hey, how many members you running? You know, how many you have? You know, whatever. That's a sign to them. It's a big sign to them. They have these mega churches and so forth. But what do they know about God? What do they know about God? Huge numbers, money going left and right for different things. We went to one, we visited in Phoenix. Was it Tommy Barnett, Ma? That's what we went to. We went up there, Tommy Barnett's. We went through their ministerial thing, you know, to show they teach you some things about ministry, the, the plan or the pattern of how to get ministry going. And he had 141 ministries in his church. 141 ministries. Pastors over each ministry, each one of these things. Now, let me tell you something. Some of those things that they considered ministries aren't ministries. I'm going to tell you something that's a big one. You know, you got these people that, they, okay, you got to hire the right person to be the praise and worship leader. They have to be able to do music. You got the choir has to be so the musicians have to be like this, whatever. And they are anointed of God is what they tell you, right? But they say that's a ministry, so you're a pastor over that. Somebody show me that in the Word. That, that's not how that is. God wants all of us to praise him and praise him. You know what? I, I know one thing for sure. It doesn't make any difference how good your voice is. God just likes to hear it and praise to him. It doesn't have to be the most perfect thing, the most perfect choir, the most perfect pianist, whatever. There's the stringed instrument. You, you, do you understand that spiritually that means something else than what you think? You know, a member says all those instruments, was it Psalms 149 and 150? It talks about how you praise the Lord with everything, with, with the stringed instrument, with the sackbut, with the trumpet, with the, it just names all these things. So if, with anything you do, give praise to the Lord, give thanks to the Lord through those things. Praise God through them. Well, do you know that each one of those things is something that, that God desires in understanding? Every one of them is. That praise that you're giving him, enter to his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. That's with wisdom and understanding. Those are the things you're entering in on. Those things show those things. In other words, we're praising God through those things. It's a very powerful thing. So, uh, but you got people that are hypocrites, people that go and play me. I want to show out how I can do this and I can do that. I can play the trumpet. I can do the piano. I can direct the choir. I can do all this stuff. And that draws people in. They want to be entertained. They want to be entertained. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a choir and having all those things. I think that's great. Better make sure your heart's toward God and not there to be lifted up before men. That's the thing. Can you do that with your heart toward God? Can, can somebody be in the choir that doesn't have a perfect voice? Yeah. Can we all sing praises to the Lord? You see how that works? Uh, we, you have to do your audition before you get in this choir. Whoa, wait a minute. I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. All I hear is that lift up your voice to the Lord and sing high praises. Sing the psalms and the songs and the spiritual hymns. Sing them unto God. 
Well, really, all of those things are things that perfect you in the things that God is showing you, and you're praising him for it. Wisdom, understanding, love, joy, peace, all those things are doing that. It's an amazing thing if you understand what it really stands for. So everybody can sing. Your voice may sound like a frog, but if you're praising God, God loves that frog sound. You see how it works? You're praising him. Is that coming from your heart? Yeah, that's the best I can do, Lord. Well, that's what you do. And God says, I receive that. I receive that because it's coming from your heart. You see how it works? It's a very powerful thing. So do everything to the Lord with all of your might. may not be able to sing well. <laughs> a friend of mine says, told me, he said, man, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. There's no way I can do it. I said, you just sing unto the Lord. You do your best. You don't have to be on note on key or anything. Just praise God. Just give him the praise. You think God won't accept it? God will accept that highly. It's like the, the people that came into the temple and they were given all out of their abundance. Remember in their giving? They were given out of their abundance. Oh, I have this. I can give that. No big deal. But then a little widow woman comes in. She has her last two mites. Last two mites. All the money she had. She comes in. She puts it in the bucket. And Jesus is sitting against the wall of the, the temple at the treasury watching this. And he asks them. The with me says, he said, who, uh, who put in much? Who did the best? And, and they say, well, you know, these people have put in from their abundance and so forth. Uh-uh. They had it in their abundance. That little widow woman right over there gave the last all she had. That's going to be received by God. More than people giving out of their money. I give this. No big deal. No, no struggle with it or whatever. I'm just going to give it. Nine times out of ten to be seen of men. But that little widow woman gave the last one. She says she gave all she had. Oh, wait a minute. With all your heart, with all your might, very powerful. So this is what we want to do. We want to be that type of example, doing things with all of our might. We went through the, uh, Pastor Dan went through the seven churches, and it, we have to understand that this is part of that thing he taught us a long time ago about the seven churches. That they're there to help us to become sons. If you ever wondered about why they're there, you don't even have to worry about when it started, how it was. It's from the beginning. But these things are things that we have to, to put in our life in such a way that we gain the things God wants us to gain from the examples of the seven churches. We become sons through that if we can listen to this. So how do you tell us that we, that we have to look at those things uh, at the seven churches? The, the first thing he said, first Jesus does what? He reveals himself, does he not? After he reveals himself, then he does what? Shows you what you're doing right or what's good. Then he shows you what you're doing wrong, what's bad. Then he does what? Shows you how to instruction. He gives you instruction on how to overcome it. And then at the end, what does he say? This is your reward. You get a reward for that. Those are all of those things. That's, that's exactly what we're talking about. So what are the seven churches here for us to do? Those things. So we can understand that that's working in us. Are we supposed to change those churches? Actually, we are. We're supposed to change them. How? How? 
following those steps. By following those steps, we can change that to where the churches aren't um, behind. They're going forward. Because if he's telling you what you have to do right and all of that, gives you the reward, what's good, what's bad, whatever, is he discerning all of that for you? And then what do you come to? You come to the reward of it. Well, what's your reward going to be? You're an overcomer. You've overcome those things in those churches. And why seven? Perfection. God's number of perfection. But it's also the number of a seven-headed dragon, isn't it? It's also the number of seven abominations, isn't it? You see how this works? So there's always a good and there's an evil of it. God's going to help you overcome those abominations. He's going to help you to overcome that seven-headed dragon. That's, that's what he's going to do. So I, I thought about something that uh, God, Israel always told God after he would reprimand them and say, we will do what's right, Lord. We're, we're going we're gonna to start going back to the temple. We're going to start doing what we're supposed to do. We'll give the, the offerings out of love. We'll do this, you know, we'll be obedient. We'll follow your commandments. And they would say that, and, and God said, I've heard what you said, but I also know what type of people you are. You're stiff-necked. You're telling me you're going to do all of this. Okay, let's see what you're going to do. Did they ever prove it out? They proved something. They proved that they wouldn't do it. That's, that's the thing. But they would always be a, yea, Lord, we are going to do this now. We, we, you've come, you've talked to us, you've had mercy on us. Now we are going to do this. And there was a failure almost every time. Here's the thing that you, uh, I don't know if you realize this. Israel tried God in the, in the wilderness 10 times. 10 different times. He tried them in the wilderness. They tempted God where God got angry at them or they did not follow what 10 times those plagues that went on Pharaoh how many were there 10 did they ever get rid of all that stuff wasn't that actually working in them it was it was in them they failed God 10 times in the wilderness God said I put you out here to prove you okay let's prove number one. Oh Lord we're going to change we're going to do better no we're going to slip back Okay, let's try number two, number three, number four. The temptations. They tempted him ten times in the wilderness. Wow. And we wonder why people, God got vexed at him or why Moses got vexed at him. You know, things like that. And they never did come to a place of being proved. Now, Ten Commandments. Was there a guide? Yes. This is what's going to help you. This is going to help you to overcome. Follow my commandments. What is God telling us now? Love the Lord. What are the first two things, two commandments? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Oh, are we going back to all your heart and all your might again, huh? We need to do that. He says, that's the first. And then love your neighbor as yourself. We found out who the neighbor is, huh? Who is that neighbor? It's Jesus. The neighbor is the one that you allow to work in you in your world and everything. He's the neighbor. He's the one that's, that's coming forth. To give you the strength to follow the commandments that God has given you to do. He did it by example. Now he says, now I've done it. Now you can do it. Now you can do it. I obeyed my father. Oh man, the song. Obey anyway. Obedience unto God. Trusting God. Having faith in God. Aren't these these little rivers that we have to follow so we can go to the mainstream? 
Every one of them. Yes, let's have the faith in God. Can we exercise the faith? What did I tell you? More faith you exercise, the more righteousness you get. Isn't that how Abraham worked it? I'm going to go by faith, and God said, I'm going to impute righteousness to you every time you do it. Oh, here we go. So is Abraham our father if we exercise faith? Yes. You see how that is? Uh, is Job an example of suffering, of the father's suffering, a father's suffering, and yet coming out at the end? Do we need to follow that too? Is it always going to be what we call hunky-dory for us every time as we go through? Oh, come to Jesus and nothing ever go wrong. Uh, let me tell you something. Jesus said just the opposite. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. He warned us, you are going to have it, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. What's he telling you? I'm there with you. Yea, though I walk for the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> Who's with you? And what does he have? A rod and a staff. Do you know that that stands for the statutes of God? His word, that rod and that staff, they comfort me. His word will comfort me. His commandments will comfort me. Wow. Because as I do them, God's going to strengthen me. Does that mean that you never have to fight the enemy? No, it means that you're always going to fight the enemy. Now, here's the thing. He's going to bring it forth. I love the way this was put. All these things are servants. All these enemies are servants. Man of sin, Satan, all of them. They have to do the will of God. And what God is doing, he's bringing them forth to face you so that you can overcome it. How they put it, uh, it's like Job, the sons of God appear before before God, and Satan was there also. And he came in who? He came in Job. Well, how do you think God's doing that with us? It's in us. You're going to face him. You're going to try to bring him into the heavenly. Isn't that true? And what God's going to do is say, okay, now that you brought him here, I'm going to use him as a servant to try you and prove you now. We never thought about it quite that way, huh? You bring him into my presence, I'm going to make him my servant. And what he's going to do, he's going to challenge you because both of you are going to be servants of God. And let's see if you can overcome that with Jesus on your side. See if you even want to attempt to do it. Because sometimes even with Jesus standing right next to us, we won't do. There's too much fear. Too much lust. Too much pride. Sometimes you say to yourself, I think I can do it. I, I'd love to watch one of those battles between spirits and you, you thinking you can do it. I would love to. I'd just sit there and watch because I know you're going to have a downfall. You know why? You've got to do it with Jesus. That's the only way it's going to work. But you start talking about, yeah, I have enough knowledge. I have enough. Okay, okay, let's see this. Let's see this. I saw a little deal on, not TikTok, YouTube. A uh, little boy trying to copy his father. His father did this thing and jumped off of this thing and went into a pool. And his son came up there like, I got this. And he said, okay, son. He let him do it. Got up there. And he went from that height where his dad was and jumped in there. That boy sank to the bottom and couldn't find his way, got disoriented. And everything. Daddy had to go over there. He thought he could do the same thing dad did. It takes maturity to do the same thing dad did. You get it? It takes, maturity. it takes an experience. It takes wisdom and understanding to do the same thing dad did. See how this works? And that's what it's going to be with us. So if we do everything with all of your heart and with all your might, who is going to teach us and lead us in that? He's going to do it. He's going to show you how to do it. 
We need him. We need Jesus. We need you, and we need to serve him with all of our heart, all of our mind, might, power, strength, everything. But do everything you do, you do it with all your might toward God. Let's, let's make it up in our mind. We're going to do it with all of our might. Dedicate your life to him. Just like somebody told me, said, well, yeah, how long are you going to do this until you retire? I said, retire from what? I said, retire from preaching. Okay. Where'd you get that thought from? Oh, there's all kinds of pastors that retire. They turn the church over to somebody else, and they go and retire. Really? That's not how my God works. I don't see any of the apostles retiring. Name one that retired. <laughs> or or the, the great elders, even those deacons, Philip. Uh, I remember Philip's daughters. If he had four daughters, it became prophetesses. They had to learn that from somewhere. They must have had an upbringing where God can take them into where he can say, now I'm going to make you one of my prophets. And you're female, so you're going to be a prophetess. So he must have raised his daughters pretty good, huh? That's how that works. You think about how all of this works. We have to, whatever you do with all your might, hey, even the parenting, teach them about God. It's very important. Very important. These are the things that God wants us to do with all of our might. He wants us to have a spiritual relationship with him. And he wants our generations to have a spiritual relationship. The only way that's going to happen, do everything with your heart, with all your might. Don't leave any of it. Don't leave any of the heart on the table. Give it all to God. Give, make it a heart of flesh now. Give it all to God. Give it everything, something that God can use. You see how that works? And this is what God wants us to do. So can you see what we're talking about here? Can you see why all of these things that you've been listening to and whatever are to try to, try to guide us to a place where God can use us? We can guide. So what, what's our job? Love God. No, you talked about all of these things we have to do. We have to have faith. We have to have trust. We have to obedience. We have to do this. Okay, how am I going to do this? How am I? You're not going to do it. This is the work of God. Just love God, and he will bring all those things into you. You say, well, I'm not like so-and-so, and I'm not like so-and-so. You're not supposed to be. You're not like so-and-so. You're not. You're supposed to be you. And God's going to deal with you as he deals with a son or a daughter. That's what he's going to do. And he's going to bring you your way. And you're going to accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. This is what God wants to do with you. Can you be a, a loyal, faithful, trustworthy, obedient servant of God and never be an elder or a deacon or a pastor or any of that? Can you? Yes. Were there not followers of Jesus? Were there not followers of the apostles? Isn't that how the churches were established? What did Paul do? He went and established all those churches, those Gentile churches, and they all looked to him, didn't they? For guides and so forth. Can you be a good follower? Can you be a good follower and be from the church of Philippi? Yes. Can you be a good follower and be from the church of Thessalonica? Yes. You can be a good follower. Were all of them like Paul? No, but could they all follow? Could they all be obedient? Could they be a good church? Yes. The Corinthian church. We talk, people talk about Corinthian carnality. Yeah, that first book he wrote to them, he kind of blasted them for their carnality, didn't he? You start reading the tone of 2 Corinthians, he's very reconciliatory. 
He said, even that man, he says, uh, yeah, that had his father's wife and so forth. He said, you, you deliver him to Satan. Let him be buffeted. And then in the second Corinthians, he said, I think he's had enough. Now you can receive him as a brother. Those two books are vastly different. The first one, he's getting on them. Second one, he's telling them what they need to do now. Now that they've gone through that experience, now this is what you need to do. Let's have some mercy. Let's have some grace working in the church. You see how that works? This is where, and he brought them along, didn't he? One of the strongest churches there was was Corinthian church. Think about that. Colossian church. All of these things. So it's an amazing thing how God works this. Will he use the evil also? Will he use the wicked even? Are they all his servants? Satan knows he has a short time. He's a servant. He's a servant. Man of sin is a servant. What's he trying to do? He's trying to bring all that stuff out of you. He's trying to, he, he wants to do it through authority and have it over you. God's saying, no, I want to let him reveal it, and then we'll overcome him. That's how that's going to work. That's how that's going to work. I'm going to use him as a servant. Face those things. Don't run from them. Don't fear them. Face them. And let's see what God will do for us. So do it with all your heart, with all your might. God is going to bless you. He'll be right there. Quit thinking that Jesus is not right there with you. He is. Remember, he talked about the tribulation thing. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. What world? The world you created that became so defiled. I, I can overcome that. And I'm standing right there to help you to do it. So when these trials and tribulations come, you say, oh, I wish I didn't have all these trials and tribulations. Then how are you ever going to be a son? How, the, the seven churches had them. Jesus pointed it out to them, right? So if they had it, what's, what's your example? That's what's going to make you a son. These things coming up like this and him helping you to overcome them. And then after you overcome them, then he'll give you the reward. I like the reward part. <laughs> That's cool, huh? But do you have to go through something first? Oh, yeah. So I guess you, with all your heart, with all your might, you should try to serve the Lord so that when you go through those things, you can hang on and you're not going to fall away. You'll be the servant that he's calling on. Be a good servant. Be a good one. And this is what God wants us to do. Anybody got any questions for me about what I said? Do it with all your might. All your might. You should be striving for that. I'm striving toward it. You striving toward it, Ernest? I'm striving toward it. Give God everything. Give it all. And I'll be doing that when I'm 86, if I live that long. When I'm 89, if I live that long. See what I mean? Uh, you better time to go get Elder Kenny. We mean go get him. Well, go get that wheelchair and bring him out here. <laughs> Put him right there. Still preaching. Somebody else will probably be the main thing, but still doing it. Well, he can't walk very good anymore. Well, that's fine. Wheel me out here. Let's see what we can do. That doesn't affect my voice. Doesn't affect my mind. Doesn't affect my spirit. I still think about Caleb, guys. He's, he's one of my heroes in the Bible. Okay, Joshua, Moses promised me this land, this for a memorial. This is mine over here. Well, Caleb, that's got mountains in it, and it's got giants and walled cities and stuff. Uh, he promised it to me. And so he said, well, you're 85 years old. He said, yeah, and I'm just as strong as I was. 
spiritually as I did when I went and spied the land out. Give me this mountain, is what he told Joshua. Joshua said, okay, it's yours. <laughs> and him and his family went and whipped them all up. Giants, everything, knocked down the walls, he took over the mountains, and he said, ah, 85 years old. And he was doing the will of God. That's powerful. He said, give it to me. Joshua made me a little concerned about it. No, I said, don't be concerned. Me and my family are going to take this, and I'm going to lead them in taking it. I was one of those that spied out the land, and I realized God can do it. Never left him. Remember he said he was of a different spirit? Never left him. Give me this mountain. Okay. Go ahead, Joshua. And he didn't take him long to take it either. He took it, got everything set up. That's cool. 85-year-old man. Wow. Let's do it, guys. Let's do it with all our might, all our strength, to the very end. And let's show God that we are his sons. Isn't that good?